Welcome to the Mad Trio Podcast. This week, we have the California pariah, Jonathan Charney, James, the fat man, Stevens. Hello. And Rob, the old guy. You're listening to the Rob Charney Show. Yeah, I, I'm here. I'm here. It, Don't get too excited. One of these days, we got we to gotta find that, that, that podcast you keep talking about. So we're going to start with <laughs> bringing out the dead. The folks that we love that have passed away that we kind of want to honor. Um, starting out with otter, otter. Yep. I don't want to otter anybody. Honor, honor. Ah, oh, okay. That was utterly ridiculous. Um, Tom <laughs> Sizemore, American actor from Saving Private Ryan, Wyatt Earp dies following a brain aneurysm at sixty-one. What a bummer. Robert, really a bummer. Robert Blake, American Emmy award-winning actor, Beretta in Cold Blood, Little Rascals, etc., dies at 89. I vaguely remember issues revolving this guy. Couldn't tell you what. Didn't look it up. Oh, you know, I get, it's hard to tell if he really did it or not. But the fact is, the court said he, he didn't. So take that. And uh, oh, anyway. uh, I like Robert Blake. Dave Wills, the original Little Rascals, in case you guys yeah. know. And don't, and, and there's people out there probably don't know who's the Little Rascals. Go look them up. <laughs> Dave Wills, American sportscaster, radio voice of Tampa Bay, dies from heart disease at 58. William Too Short, young. William Sh William Shortner, American jazz saxophonist and composer. Uh, the notes here says Art Blakely's jazz messenger Miles Davis weather report dies at 89. Yeah. And Steve Mackey, a mainstream of British pop, dies at 56. Huh. That's that's. I've never heard of him. Yeah, either have I. But I'm not a giant fan of pop, to be honest. At least modern pop. Wait a minute. Mm. What's considered modern pop? Is the last 20 years considered modern pop or does it have to be today's music to be considered modern? Probably today's music. 20 years ago music is 20 years ago music. That's not modern. That's old. Damn, I guess I am. <laughs> so I've got a couple of stories I wanted to start off with. They're not funny, but I thought there was interesting. This is from PBS.org from, from NewsHour. And the headline is examining how politics became intertwined with personal identity. Now, I didn't want to get into the politics aspect, but I thought it was interesting how you talk to the people and instead of being it's it's you identify yourself by your job, your religion and your political party, all which is really annoying. Um, hmm. So um, I think it's called a mental disorder, John. <laughs> see, hi. Right, um, see, see, I would like this is from somebody from Massachusetts. I would like to talk about my politics with my uh, uh, with my blank discuss politics with my friends. I would like to share ideas, exchange notes with them. But unfortunately, we are at a dead end where there is a wall. Uh, this is a lady from a guy from John Hopkins. Decades ago, we disagreed over things like role of government or the size of government or what we wanted government to doing uh, doing with and these types of decisions. We could find a compromise. That's basically the theme of all these things, basically saying that nowadays you can't really talk about anything without getting friendly. It's become a us versus them mentality. Uh, we're seeing today as the divide is much more about our feelings about each other. We are angry at one another. Democrats and Republicans don't trust one another. We are more likely to dehumanize people in the other party. We think they're, that they're a threat to the country and that these feelings are not the kind of thing we can compromise with. And 
one of the reasons I want to bring this up, because it's kind of been my thing lately of compromise, of respect. And we talked about that at some point in the podcast recently. Uh, what have you guys noticed and how do you think we could change that? Well, I, I'll start with this. The thing that I came to the conclusion of a long time ago was it's okay for people to be wrong. I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, I don't have to share your opinion to talk to you. You can be wrong, and I'm okay with that. James so, is the, the most humble man in the room. I think the problem is, is that a lot of people don't have that mentality that just because somebody disagrees with you, you have to conform them or change yeah. their mind to your views. Yeah. You, you got to you know, yell at them. You got to yell at them until they believe the way you believe. Yeah. I think uh, there's a quote from Keanu Reeves where he's like, is somebody telling him like two plus two is five. And he's like, you, you know what? You're right. And I like that. that. That's the same mentality that I'm saying is like, just because somebody doesn't agree with me, I don't care. What does that yeah. do to me? Nothing. I don't have to hang out with you if it's bad enough. But, you know, for the most part, I don't care. Yeah, I, I know there's a, there's a quote from George Washington that I've heard bandied about within the last three weeks. I'm actually looking at it and it's rather long. So I don't know if you all want me to read it, but basically he warns against this type of thing. Um, do you actually want me to read it? <laughs> Oi. No, no, you can paraphrase. <laughs> and for you, John, that means you, you don't have to read the whole paragraph. So it's actually a lot of paragraphs, but it's let me read the top <laughs> bit. It says, I have already in, uh, in, intimidated to you the dangers of parties in the state with particular reference to the founding of them on a geographical discrimination. Let me now take a more comprehensive view and warn you in the most solemn manager, manner against the banner baneful effect of the spirit of party generally. This spirit, unfortunately, is inseparable from our nature, having its roots in the strongest passions of the human mind. It exists under different shapes in all governments, more and less stifled, controlled or repressed. But in those of the popular form, it is it, it, it is seen in its greatest ranks and is truly the worst enemy, which 100 percent agree. OK, yeah, I, I can get behind that. I mean. I don't know. There, there was a time when I when I sided with a party. Now I now I just look at them both. You know, I say both, but you know, there's way more than just the two main that we have in our in our country. But I look at it this way: it's like to sit there with party politics is really blinding you to the overall picture of what's going on. To sit there and be like, this side is you know, doing this or this side doing that. How about just all sides are shit? Cause they are, they've all become shit. And I've watched this over my years growing up. I, when I was a kid, I paid a lot more attention to politics. Now I just want to blow everything up. If I pay attention. Well, you, you, uh, partisan, you toned out there a little bit, James. Partisan politics has been a, a an issue, uh, really for a very long time. And, in in. It had a, I mean, let's face it, you go back far enough and everything was corrupt as far as politics go. And you look at Hello? Hall and all the other, you know, and vote, vote shaming and that, that is the recent stuff. And, you know, you, everything is a little, little strange. And, you know, I used to say that a Republican is only a Democrat that's been mugged. 
And and I still think <laughs> I still think to a degree that's what it is. And so you guys are going to have to uh, give a little bit of a synopsis. We had some technical glitches here. We did. James we had and I, men over here. Yeah, I, we were fine. It was 100 percent over here. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, uh, listen to the show. How's that? <laughs> it didn't get recorded. Is what I'm saying. Are you telling me I should have recorded it on this end now? <laughs> the one time I didn't do it. So just a brief synopsis of what you said. The second run through is usually better. I really think that politics have been uh, partisan politics forever. And then and corruption has been in politics forever. And all you have to do is go back in history and read, read history a little bit. And you'll see that that's been the case. Talked about Tammany Hall and some of the other situations that used to take place. And, and yeah, so now the, the situation we have is with things like we, we got sorry about that things we have going on um today uh is just it, it, it's, the problem is it's it's all between podcasts and tweets and tiki talks and and instagrammies and whatever else you you want to get at. everybody's got an opinion out there and just like we do to a degree and they have the, a right to that that opinion. I've always said that, and I've always looked that way. They have the right to that opinion. Doesn't mean I have to agree with it. I, I think the difference, at least with us three, that we take politics less seriously than the average person, because I have friends that are, you know, left of Pol Pot, if you want to talk about the political spectrum, but they're people I love, so I, I harass them a lot. Um, I, so, I, know, I know- There are people on both sides that can't take a centralist view Oh, they can't, yeah. you know, they, they don't know how to do a debate. It's my way or the highway. And, you know, and it just seems to be the way it is. And and we've we've been saying this for a while here is that if people could figure out a way to come to the middle and discuss and talk, then things would be a whole lot better. But we have what examples do you have? You don't have the examples in the legislature. <laughs> you don't have the examples in presidential politics you don't have the example in in anything it seems like nowadays there's just no. No, you know so how do how do we get uh, you know people part, the rest of the people part to come part to i would say part of it is actually understand what uh, have people understand what compromise is and i've had my cousin and a few other people scoff at this idea and i tell people and they said you know what a compromise is and they say no what's that i said when everybody's pissed off the chances are, if everybody's mad at the result, that means it's better for us. That means it's probably closer to what it should be than some sort of partisan political maneuver. And by the way, partisan politics happens everywhere. This isn't an American thing. If if oh, if well, you, no, no, I, right. If you go to what uh, what is it? Uh, uh, North Korea, it's pretty bad. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, you got that so, right. I mean, it, yeah, North Korea is terrible. I, in comparison, we got a pretty good. I, there, there is something I just caught um, in this this article from PBS that they, they do talk about the, the, the basically the uh, the moral majority, Jerry Falwell's and the Christian conservatives and the Reaganisms. Is this political broadcasting station or the public broadcasting station? I'm trying to get a well, this is this is clearly on what you're reading from. <laughs> uh, basically, this is just a bunch of people that were talking about why this 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 is the case okay. and so i know these people uh, that's what i that's what i want to know i want to know who these people are joe uh, this one is judy woodruff um I, so this is basically okay. like a, a a a transcript of the 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 conversation that was on a pbs show it looks like oh 
Okay. And so they're basically talking about things that they've noticed in their lifetime. My assumption, like I remember a lot of people when I was younger, especially the more liberal side saying how Jerry Falwell caused this. And then you have a lot of Democrat, uh, a lot of conservatives saying Jimmy Carter and all these people did this. And I just I, I find it interesting that we, we all need bad so guys. So it's finger pointing. Pretty much. But I don't necessarily so think. Yeah, I don't think they're wrong, though. I think every side, when you have a, a movement when it comes to politics, doesn't necessarily do anything uh, positive. I mean, so, so, so let me point one now where I just say Jim Jones did it. Is, is that a good one? Is that acceptable? No. Where's the cricket sound? I need to play it. <laughs> yeah, that really went over. I, you know, here's the problem. One of the reasons I'm looking to get it out of the state of California. No offense to you guys in California. I'm a born and raised Californianite on my 70th birthday. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, it doesn't seem like this state allows for, and it doesn't really matter a whole lot where you live. It's just not allowing for discussions on both sides of issues. And so it, I, I did want to point out just real quick, I've heard a lot of Democrats say the same thing about Texas. I, I do want to be kind of middle of the road well, on this fine. discussion. They can say that too. And, and that's probably right. So what do you do? You need to maybe get out of the state that you don't like the politics in and go to another state where maybe it's more aligned with your point of view. I know for the last part of my life, maybe that will be the, the thing that I need to do do just so I don't keep screaming at the television or trying to pull what little hair I have left out. So if if there's anybody listening to this, I would be curious of your point of view. Uh, Facebook is probably the best way to to get a hold of us on here. Um, I'm curious. Uh, I'm kind of curious. I have a question for you real quick. Before Never mind, you, John. Before Your you, point of view doesn't matter. Run out of this, before, well, he's asking people to put their opinion <laughs> on. Um, uh, before yeah. you run out of the state, do you let yeah. your dogs stick their head out the windows? No. Okay. So Florida wouldn't be a bad state for you because that's now illegal. <laughs> well, good. Because, you know, there's not the one that's worse than getting your dog's eye poked out by a rock. But that's why you have doggles. Well, they just put in a SB 932 will make it illegal to declaw a cat, yeah. sell a rabbit before Easter, <laughs> and allow your dog to stick its head out the window when you're driving a vehicle. So can you, can you, can you have your dog on your motorcycle? I didn't see that in the law, but the dog also cannot sit on the driver's lap, which I'm okay with, mm -hmm. in a trunk. <laughs> or in a truck bed. Yeah, okay. Now, what about I'm carrying in a purse? <clears throat> I am definitely for this truck bed thing. I've seen, unfortunately, I saw a dog flung out of a truck bed. Oh, God. And it was horrible. And I never want to see it again, nor do I want anybody else to see that again. Uh, so, you know, I see, the, I see the ones that have them tethered, you know, on a leash or something. Right. And then it's a long leash. I don't have, I got a big issue with that because that's how your dog's going to jump out of the bed and hang itself where you're driving down the road. Yeah. Now, I've seen some that have really short leashes where they can't access the sides. Yeah. But they're, you know, so, more um, in the center. I'm, I'm more okay. Yeah, I mean, 
there's you know for me it's just that they're fairly inexpensive kennels out there and you know put them in a kennel if you're going to put them in the truck but make sure that the kennel is fastened down and isn't going anywhere and put them in the kennel my 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 biggest my biggest issue with the leashes is made there because usually what they're doing is they're they're, they're connected to a 20 dollar collar um if it was like a harness something that had more than one point of contact in a dog i would be okay with it uh, the biggest issue is the fact I've had collars break on me when I'm uh, walking my dog. So I, I, I don't know. And the cat, yeah, you know, you, you probably didn't fasten it right on yourself. <laughs> oh, your dog didn't walk. Um, yeah, it's not your dog's fault, John. It's yours. You are <laughs> fake news. Um, I didn't know what you were talking about. The dog's collar or your collar? The dog's collar. Darn it. Um, oh. And I'm actually okay with the decline the cat thing. That that uh, I never thought that was particularly. A good no, thing. Yeah, it, I understand. I, I yeah, I understand. Say, it's a especially if the cat's going outside. An indoor cat, you can just trim the nails if you're worried about it. But to actually remove the claws, that's really fucked up. Mm -hmm. So it is, and I hear it's it's very painful for the cat oh, afterwards yeah. too. So it's like we're moving your toes. Uh, uh, so the next story, we're uh, this is straight for Ryan. I wish he was here because he would roll his eyes. This mm -hmm. is from TheVerge.com. Headline is, <laughs> hold on, I got to get the proper music for this because this makes this headline hilarious. Going to the movies is becoming a test of what you can afford. So this is via AMC. So back in the Great Depression in the 1930s, people found escape from the bad news of the day by going to the movies. In fact, I can't count how many movies. Uh, basically, they're saying that Wait, AMC... AMC, what AMC is doing basically is they're charging percentage based on where you're sitting. So if you're sitting up front, it's X amount of money. If you're sitting in the best spots, it's X amount of money. Um, I hate this. Wait. So, so this, I, this idea has been batted around before. It's, uh, you know, it, it's like going to concerts or whatever you want, or football games or whatever it may be. Opera, you want the better seat. The opera seat. is pretty famous for that. The, the opera whatever it may be if you want better seating you're going to pay better price i see here's um, sorry so now i have a problem with that first line you read there john they yeah. went to the movies to escape the bad news of the day news reels the, the person that wrote this article does understand that they did news before the movies right uh -huh. mm -hmm. i i don't no. think they so did Newsreels. to see the newsreels before the movie started. So they got bad news anyways. So <laughs> do you guys, speaking of that, do you guys, now I, I don't think, <laughs> I can't say for sure, but I don't think you guys were ever old enough to actually see a, a newsreel. I've seen them, but not, not in theater. So the oh. dollar theater that I used to go to when I was really young in Southern California did do that they did have some newsreels that they play okay all right before. you know there and they had intermissions <clears throat> it was like an all-day movie theater that you go to right so dollar you know, or something that you could go there for hours watch a few movies then go home and they had intermissions they had little little things going on in between so they they used to have the newsreels beforehand and i'm actually old enough to remember seeing actual Newsreels. Surprisingly enough, still in black and white. 
And then there was a cartoon. There was almost always a cartoon before. Fascinating. And then, and then a small break, and then the movie would start, and then there would be an intermission at a movie where you get up and do whatever you need to do and get back, and they'd start the movie again, and things have totally gotten away from that. Now, for better or for worse, I don't know. It was just different than it is today. But wouldn't it be and, interesting? This is and, and trailers were actually trailers after the movie. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and this is why I think movie theaters are going to become a, a boutique experience, just because I think people are getting priced out. Not only are there not being, not only are all movies right now the same, i.e. Disney um, uh, and DC, um, I just, I think people are tired of the prices. I really don't like the fact that if I wanted the best seat in the house, I'm going to have to pay a certain amount of money when I liked first come, first serve. That was half the fun to me. Mm. Was that experience? Um, so, my thing. Now, I got tired fighting for my seat. You know, a couple of times I had to punch people out and just go know, with they, James. They, they frowned. They frowned on that. Yeah. James always got the best so, seat in the house. My thing is that you know you can go to the movie theater, you can get your experience and all that that great stuff, but like, I think it's close to ninety percent of the movies that are out in the theater. You can stream them at home within a week of them being released in the theater, if not right. earlier or at the same time. Right. There are some movies that are out that I know are like exclusively theater experiences for at least a month, and then you can stream them at home. But if I was a theater owner, AMC, Regal, whatever, I'd certainly want that to be a month. But you know, I I understand, and don't forget, they don't really make money on the movies per se right they make their money on the popcorn the soda the candy uh, everything the else that goes on pizzas whatever they do now yeah. now there's bars in no. you know and and you could get you want a drink they go over to that bar over there and order your, your cocktail i mean it's okay and then there's the boutique theaters that serve meals yeah. with it and you know and that's how they make their money so I, it, I always wanted to do the meal theater thing, but I never got never got to do it. I've been interested to try it, but yeah, my uh, my understanding is the Lux Theater down in Folsom has uh, opened up again, doing that. Oh. Yeah, it was so, like it was getting really popular. Then COVID hit, and I just right. never got around to it. I didn't think we'd ever see them come back after COVID. To be honest with you, I, I just. So I talk, really was surprised. So talk about a movie. We may not see another one. Uh, analyzing the numbers, YouTube Valiant Renegade says, even after three weeks it is released, it is unlikely Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is ever going to breach $400 million. That means it's a loss, folks. He added, this movie is done. I think $500 million is almost entirely off the table. This movie concluded the box office run here in the U.S. and abroad, maybe somewhere around $450 million and is the big loss for the Walt Disney uh, company. I saw somewhere they say they somebody said here in an article, I think it was six hundred million dollars total for the entire What's movie. What's it take to actually make money on a movie when you have to, you know, when you have to uh, net six hundred fifty million dollars just to break even, and then you know, then you hope for a few bucks after that. When well, there's, when's there's going to be reality so to this? We are looking at the movie that is going to have a hundred million dollar loss at least at the table discussion here at this point. By the way. How much Hollywood accounting here is, I'm curious at. Um, 
If this movie does not finish up around 450 million, which is likely to happen right now, we're looking at a pretty significant loss for the Walt Disney Company, at least 75 million, but it could be higher depending on what exactly they spent at the end of the day make, marketing this film. Wow. Um, I know, uh, what was it, Thor Love and Thunder or whatever that one was, was one of the worst movies until this one came out, is what I heard. <laughs> really? Yeah. So. I, I am curious, does this mean people are tired of the superhero movie? Because that's pretty much all there is now. It seems like these these triple A giant titles that. I mean, what do you think? Um, I'm kind of sick of them. Uh, you know, I I'm more sticking with the. The more story-oriented films are what I'm more interested in now, like, you know, thrillers, horrors, dramas, etc. over um, these Marvel big-budget things that are just okay. I'm, I'm not even interested in Creed 3. I have no desire to see that because I've seen all the Rocky movies. That's enough for me. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I mean, I like a certain amount of action, and I don't mind the, you know, the comic book movies. But I, I, I just don't know where it's going to be the return. Now, here's my problem: I'm a sci-fi fan, and I love sci-fi. And then one of the things that all the movie studios say is that sci-fi is so expensive to produce. So it's a, if it's going to be more expensive to produce, or as expensive to produce as this this Ant-Man boss movie, then we may never see anything here, in that. Here, here's genre, what I call simply because it's going to cost too much to, to produce. Here's what I call shenanigans. Now, this example is a tad bit out of date because the old guy was two when this movie came out. Con oh, good. So a, a tad well, bit. Thank you. Thank you for that, Jonathan. I appreciate Conquest that. of Space has legitimately one of been one of the best sci-fi movies I've seen in the last two years, mainly because it, it, it did have cheesy sets, yada, yada. It was 50s. But this this movie is actually about what happens to mankind and humans and the interaction of a group of people as they go from Earth to Mars. And it had very simple sets, nothing complex. I think what's happening is. I think Hollywood set the bar so high in the type of movies, like it's got to be action, boom, 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 that they, they want to make those type of movies. Now, the question is, can they educate people to go movies that are slower, like The Martian? That was a slow movie compared to today's movies. And I doubt it costs $650 million to make. I, I just think, I think they just need to adjust the, what, what the perceptions of sci-fi and some of these movies are. Um, 12 Angry Men. It, uh, the, the 50s one had three sets, but it was all acting, all amazing actors. I, I just think they need to change what they do, to be honest. Well, let me bring out another example then. Let's not talk about um, ancient movies, movies per se. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, streaming television. So I'm, I'm going to bring out um, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now, I don't know if you guys have watched it or not, but I have. I got to tell you, for me, my opinion, I'm right to my opinion. I really liked the show. I thought it was well done. I thought the sets were spectacular. I thought the special effects were amazing. Yes, it's small screen stuff, but still, I thought it was done very well. And this next season, the fifth season, is going to be its last because 
Disney came out and said it's too expensive to produce. Wait, it's a Disney product? I thought it was on Paramount. I thought it was no, a Paramount right. property. I didn't mean Disney. I'm sorry. Paramount. No, but, Stu- but, studios. By Paramount. the way, Disney's doing the same thing. They're, they're having some issues, too. Yeah. So. I, well, that's because that was another article I was reading. But no, you're right, Paramount. But that, that's the point. Now, they're saying as you go past the fifth year, everybody <laughs> wants more money. Things are more expensive. And, and I understand that. <laughs> However, it got incredible ratings. Uh, I don't know what its Nelson numbers were, but I thought that they were probably pretty good. However, they do it for streaming. But, um, I, I, you know, it's disappointing. It's it, Here you have a successful show. People love it, yet they're going, sorry, we're done. And it's well, like, hmm. Okay. Well, may, maybe they have the issue with, like, Disney with Marvel that what they consider successful is ridiculous. Like, oh, in order for this movie to, you know, they spent 200 million. In order to be a successful, it must make, you know, four or five, 800 million. Maybe they're just, their goal was ridiculous. Look at Netflix. Well, let's bring up the, the, yeah, exactly. The king of cancel shows is Netflix. Right, right. <laughs> and I mean, they, they don't even put out reasons for most of them. They're just like, oh, oh, it's not coming back. And I just never hear that it was renewed. And then I read an article recently from Netflix that said, oh, um, all the shows that would be canceled only go for small audiences. So we're not losing shows that big audiences like. And it's mostly like these studios throw out a bunch of, you know, uh, shows and see which net they can catch. Right. And so, you know, if you look at Paramount, Paramount looks like they bought Star Trek. Right, they did. Sorry. Yeah. So they have all the Star Trek shows. And so I think they put out, what, four or five Star Trek shows? Yeah. I mean, they had Strange New Worlds, Discovery. Worlds, Discovery. Um, I, think, I feel like I'm missing one. So I think there's four. Yeah. Um, put out recently. I feel like I'm missing at least one. And I watched a few of them. And, you know, I, I, oh, I actually like them. I think right. we said, I think I said Picard. Oh, did you? I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Anyways, um, but I like, oh, there's the cartoon. They had a cartoon. And then they have Below, the below Decks. I think yeah. Below Decks. And then I think they actually yeah. have another one. So anyway, go ahead. So, but, you know, I feel like Picard and uh, uh, Strange New World were the ones that I really liked. I, I kind of got into Discovery for a little bit, but, you know, like, and then even Picard kind of, like, lost some luster to me because it was kind of the same thing on re- repeat with that show. Yeah, it, you so know, season you know. two. So season three is just kicked off, and you should watch yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, you really should. It, so, this you, last episode, I, saw, I think it's episode three. Well, well done. Do you know what? Okay. Do you know what will never be getting old? You know, you're always enjoying no matter how many times you play it. Listen up. Today's show is brought to you by Audacity, the unforgettable party game for mischievous people. The game where dignity is overrated. Make sure you go to O-D-D-A-S-S-I-T-Y.com or selected stores. Make sure you use MADTRIO, all caps, all one word for 10% off your final order. Make sure you tell Miss Audacity herself that the MADTRIO sent you. 
Do you want to keep up to date with the maddest of the mad at the Mad Trio podcast? Make sure you go to madtrio.com or check out our social media feeds on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's our own drop, James. John, you're right-handed, right? Yes. Okay, I might take off your Wait a finger. minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where's this going? <laughs> he's, I'm going to remove that finger. He's, <laughs> he's he's upset because I put a second drop, like I always do in the commercial spot. So, so for if he wants to do the drops, he has to use his schnoz. Um, <laughs> so speaking of sci-fi, let's see if I can get this whole thing out. Have you guys heard of magneto active solid liquid liquid phase transitional machine have you heard of that wow <laughs> I, I, no, that's a mouthful well done james that's well done what the authors call it <laughs> wow okay uh no so, tell me about it so what this thing is it's a material that can shift between solid and liquid under the influence of a magnetic field Okay. All right. Now, have you guys heard of a T-1000? Yes. <laughs> I'm sure Rob has once I say Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. No, I knew exactly what we were talking it's about. It's not a Duma. So, so that's that's what it is, huh? It's uh, th- that's liquid to solid. Yeah. They turn this thing into a robot that can shift its body from liquid to solid form. Oh, my God. And they did an experiment with it to see if it can successfully escape from a little jail they made it. It's it's about the size of a Lego, a Lego man. Okay. Is where they're at right now. And they were toying with it to see if it can actually escape from a little jail that they built for it. And they managed to do it. Hey, haven't any of these people watched? It's it's computer yeah. in it or it's it's run it, so somehow they like, make a computer what it looks like right now is that they're controlling it from the outside with a magnetic field to pull okay. it through and get it to do certain things but how long until they are able to implant a magnetic field generator into it mm-hmm. and then control it that way and <laughs> essentially at and some then- point Put an AI in it. Okay. Haven't any of these people watched bad sci-fi movies from the 80s where all the dystopian future and the robots happen? (laughs) Nothing good comes from this shit. uh, You know what? I'm I'm having the same problem with all the AI stuff that everybody's talking about and and, and everything's going on now. And I'm sitting here going, now I'm I'm just as bad as many people. I'm playing with it a little bit myself too because I kind of want to get a feel for what its range can do right now. And to me, it's... It's a little archaic still, but which is to also a good thing but, because I don't want it to get too good. Well, uh, it is going to get too good. At some point. Know, That's the problem. Is, I'll be like, dead. I won't have to worry about it. But, but if we look at it, where does science generally come from? From the fantasy of a mind, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at in the early days, let's say 18, 1900s. It was books. So back in the old and man's days. All these hundreds of thousands of movies that, you know, I would say a good what? Let's say, let's let's be very moderate here. Of these hundreds of thousands of movies, probably more millions if you go for B-flicks as well. 20% of 
is sci-fi. And that that's low-balling. Yeah. So we look at all these movies, and then these scientists are sitting there, you know, some of them probably snorting mercury, getting mercury poisoning, and saying, hey. <laughs> Good idea. That's a great idea. How do we yeah. make this shit work? Let me see if I can figure this out. Well, you know. Yeah. And then somebody, some billionaire sits back and says, I can make money off that. Yeah. <laughs> real life it. Tony, real life Tony Stark. We've already talked well, about I, that. We have, you know, Elon Musk, yeah. as Ryan says, the That's right. you know, evil genius that we have. Um, I, I think we need to get some of these people to read Isaac Asimov. Yeah. Look it up, folks, I, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. you know. That's what I'm kind of, it feels like that's what I'm seeing because I mean, we had, we talked on the show probably a couple months ago about the, the implant, you know, implant. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I'm like, that's going to get hacked, (laughs) you know? Yeah. There's sci-fi stories about that. There's, you know, Johnny Mnemonic where people were getting hacked. I mean, you, you got sci-fi for everything, and then we see all these things coming out. I mean, I'm surprised no one's really finished the Frankenstein, but somebody probably has. There have been people that have tried. I mean, there was a scientist that what, took a dog's head and and made it stay alive for a certain amount of time after it was dead by you know, controlling it. It's funny you mention this. It reminds me back when the Internet really started becoming popular. Um to all the, the, the civs. Um, and you heard all these people say, you know, this really utopian, the internet's gonna unite all people, access to unlimited data, it's gonna unite the world. And, and, and instead what you got was Twitter, which is <laughs> absolutely abysmal yeah, place. I think initially it was thought it's gonna be a great big library and you're gonna be able to find whatever you want, Didn't not realizing that there was gonna be TikTok. So, <laughs> well, honestly, TikTok's not the, TikTok's not even remotely the problem. I was going to say TikTok. I don't not, know about that. Well, no, here's I'm disagree with here's you. here's the thing is that you're, you're missing the one thing. You're missing the human factor. Instead of it being like the future scenes in Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure, it's like everybody's all of a sudden high schoolers. The amount of shit people say. Um, uh, Ryan said once that the, the quote by uh, Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. Everybody talks so much right. shit online. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So um, you're, you're talking about how the internet is going to bring people together and you're going to find like-minded people. Right, John? Yeah. Well, talking about that, you say that, you know, TikTok is, isn't that great or anything, but, you know, I, I've got a problem with these people out there who come up with, idiotic theories and one of the more interesting ones i've read recently let's see if john's heard of this one i almost wouldn't be surprised if you have heard of this one have you heard of the taurus earth theory Mm, taurus earth theory not off the top of my head so there's a lot of people out there who hate flat earthers Hmm. i found someone worse and I, I say someone, but there, there's people that say that there are more than more than just one. Wait, 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 wait. So, 
There's 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 people worse. I just want I just want you to rephrase that. There's people worse than flat earthers. Let me explain what torus shaped Earth is. Okay, <laughs> it's the tastiest celestial body, our sugar glazed Earth planet Earth. They believe our Earth is donut shaped. <laughs> Correct. Well, it's not technology is Taurus shape. It's not technically a sphere, but it's not a Taurus. What, 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 what? They believe that our earth is shaped like a donut where light bends and follows the curvature of the Taurus, making the hole unseeable. And instead of the, the, the moon going around our spherical shaped <laughs> Earth, it goes through the middle of our donut shape. What the name of Einstein's relativistic world are these people smoking? Holy shit. Uh, by the way, I want some. If you can come up with that wacky theory by looking at pictures of some of the most high-end cameras in the world in outer space, and that's the shit you come up with? Oh, wow. So, yeah, this is what... Our internet is being used for these days. Our idiots to find each other, and uh, I don't know. I, I need the I guy. Know. I need to find a, a, a clip from the oh from that shoot the gah, with Aunt B and all that. You know the guy goes the gym neighbors going surprise surprise surprise. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. So, Flat earthers, know, at least I get until they talk about, you know, until you, you, you hear them talk about the curvature of the earth in the conversation. Yeah. So this whole thing actually started out on the Flat Earth Society page. Somebody made, somebody got on there and made a joke that people took seriously and created a whole theory about it mm -hmm. that people gravitated to. I don't know how many people. I'm hoping it's like five. But I have a <laughs> feeling that it's going to be more than that. <laughs> so, yeah. so here's the ad copy from the Flat Earthers. So I, I just got to read this. This is straight from their website. This is the Flat Earth Society podcast, a place of free thinkers to discuss alternative science and newer, unusual ways of viewing the world. Um, well, there's there, there's a, there, there's a so so it's the onion. There's there, there's a lot of things that science right? isn't quite up to spec, but I thought that everybody could agree on one thing. We're on, we're on a quasi-marvel. So, uh, I'm sorry. The, the Flat Earthers guys are hilarious. Just, just, and... Uh, oh, next one is a rhombus. I can't wait for the rhombus earthers. There's got to be, you know... We got to come up with the next one. Uh, oh, I bet if we sat around long enough, we could come up with the next one, and I'm sure we could get somebody to believe it. But this is this is almost as dumb as the new the news article I saw yesterday that says Gene Hackman is unrecognizable. He's eighty <laughs> fucking three. You'd be. I mean, what are you exactly expecting him to look like, Jim Neighbors? I mean, come on. I mean, are they like going back to when he was on? It? You know, Lex Luthor and Superman, maybe yeah. farther back. I, I've seen some of his older movies, but I can't think of them off the top of my head right now. But 
I mean, what was that Superman? The mid eighties? Uh, yeah. Where he yeah, played Lex so. Luthor, and I mean, he was doing movies way before then too, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. Oh, he goes back to early westerns, and he was yeah. doing all kinds of stuff. So. Yeah, that's right. I just can't think of the westerns name, but yeah, I mean, goodness, yeah. I just he's unrecognizable. Oh God! Speaking of which, <laughs> now I could see you maybe watching this more than more than John. Uh, okay. Although, John might be looking forward to this more than you. <laughs> History of the World Part, part Two. two. <sighs> so I, I I started to watch it. You haven't watched it yet. Wait, hold on, hold on. Um, be, not, but, I I have not watched the whole thing yet. I I was hesitant. I heard about this and I I was hesitant to do it mainly because I love Mel Brooks so much that I was really worried that if I watched it, it would taint my view of him. Okay, so. You haven't watched it, John. You're almost on the verge of boycotting. Yeah, just because I love Mel Brooks. All right. So so I talked with so Ryan and I have been on this, you know, since since it since we actually heard that it was actually happening. Um every so often you can see Mel Brooks influence in the show. And like History of the World Part One, there there's different skits that they do. Yeah. Um, I only liked three of them out of eight episodes. Wow. That that's what I'll say. Okay, wait, wait. Four. There was a short one in there that that I almost went over. So four skits out of eight episodes that I enjoyed. Hey, fifty percent enjoyment. That's probably not bad these days. No, no, no. When I when I say kids, I'm talking about like. Uh, no, I know. Yeah, it's not I watch. So, yeah, I mean, I'm halfway uh, through, James. I'm halfway through, and I'm not sure I'm going to finish the second half. You know, I I would say that there's a couple skits in there that that are kind of worth watching. That that aren't in the that aren't in the first half. Okay. So, I, I would stick it through and then follow your opinion. I will <laughs> go from there. Huh? I will watch the second season. All right. But there was quite a lot that I just was like, you could have done without this, and that's if there is a second season. It might go through anyways, just because it's to me. To me, it's written for a different audience than what Mel Brooks wrote for um, when he wrote the movie, what, 40 years ago? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's like a different audience that, that they're projecting to than what Mel Brooks' movies were projecting to. Right. So, mm. so I, I love Mel Brooks so much. I am actually holding up. You guys can't see it. A Carl Reiner can, and Mel Brooks record. Yeah. Um, I, I love the guy. So that's one of the reasons why when I heard this, I'm like, I just, I can't see it. Modern comedy, for better or worse, has so many danger zones in it that I just can't see enjoying that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
there there was some pretty good ones i i would say but it was almost so far in between to me that it was like uh, i i almost was robbed and did not finish it but as john says i usually stick it out with these things he's a masochist (laughs) that's that that's the appearance i I only have so many i only have so many uh, minutes left in my life i I'm getting picky about what I've I've, 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 I've watched James. I've seen James talk about watching movies that would gag a billy goat. And he's like, it was okay. Okay. You know, like watching all seven, seven phantasms within like a three day period. Like, um, yeah, but yeah, I, you know, for one of those, I kept on saying for years that Brooks owes us Hitler on ice and Jews in space. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so far we got Hitler on ice and I I will say this I am holding out hope for Jews in space that, that's all I can say Do you, you know uh, you know springtime for Hitler in Germany is probably one of the most funny funniest things I've ever seen uh, you know well and you reminded me it is almost time for me to switch my ringtone to that Rob yeah it is yeah. almost springtime Almost. That's what I'm saying to that window. You know, you. So, so John knows I did this, but there was a, you know, back when, you know, ringtones were really popular and you could find a ringtone of everything, right? Oh, right. no. I sat down and I searched and searched and searched <clears throat> for a ringtone of that song. <clears throat> and it did not exist. And instead, yeah. he got every sperm is sacred. You know what I did? You made your own. I did make my own, and I still have it. There you go. <laughs> and you should have seen my mom's face when she heard it the first time. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine if you don't kind of know where it's coming from and what it's all about, I could kind of go, what? <laughs> I, 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 I do have kind of a, a question, and this goes out to our audience um, about comedy in general. Uh, do you think comedy is better now or worse? And and being a guy who's, you know, I'm, I'm midlife. God, that hurts to say. Um, my definition of comedy is a little bit more brutal and blunt than what's considered comedy now. So I would I would say I would say comedy's a zero sum game. Like I like stand up comedy, but movie comedies I haven't seen one that's funny in twenty years. So I'd love to know I, I your opinion. I'll say this about comedy is comedy is one of those things that is living. And what I mean by that is that as our morality, that's true, as our opinions, as our political leanings, and I'll even throw it in there as a society gets less or more butthurt, Comedy changes that. Now, when we look at things, some of the best comedy makes you butthurt, to use that term. And, but as society, as our society is as a whole, it it's become way too sensitive to what Rob's generation was or our generation. So they find things that because when you make a joke that is offensive it has to be just the right amount of offense so so 
so it it's, can't it's, be too offensive. <clears throat> it has to be just right. And so our generation, when we look at what's comedy now, it's like that's barely offensive. Well, comedy is uh, to basically comedy is a, a razor's edge. Somebody, somebody recently, <clears throat> an old comic, I don't remember who, basically said comedy's designed to push people's edges. And yeah. and and I and I was thinking about what you just said. I would say comedy and and when my dad was born and further, the, the greatest thing about now is those things that were found funny aren't like like racist humor is generally not funny um i i would say you can make it funny but it's very far and few between and that's not a bad thing anymore by the way either i, I don't think i i do think some of the more gendered humor poking at stereotypes of women and men aren't as funny anymore and i don't think that's a bad thing either i i just i just wish people were um I just wish people, as James said, just not as butthurt, were able to take it as comedy and, and not as up in arms about it. Well, that that's the problem. And that's why one of the things we look at if we're, when I'm watching History of the World Part Two, it's like there's so much that's leaning towards this new generation. <clears throat> and that's nothing to say anything against these the, the new generation. I just think that there's stuff in there that I don't really find as uh, as funny as maybe they do. Hey, so this is a story. This is a question for the old guy is growing up as somebody who grew up in probably one of the biggest changes <laughs> between generations, the, the greatest generation and the baby boomers, especially in the 60s, were probably the biggest culture clashes. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, no, I. <clears throat> You're right about that. So I was thinking while you guys were talking a little bit, I was thinking about some of the older uh, comedians out there. I mean, you go oh, back to Don Rickles. Lenny Bruce. You go back, you know, oh, Donnie Bruce. Lenny Bruce for me was kind of the start of the really bad, you know, vulgarity and some of the things that were not acceptable at the time. And Lenny Bruce was you know, getting in trouble for, for things that he was saying back then. And you, you kind of look at it and you, you look at it with today's eyes, you go first amendment rights versus back then where, you know, you could go to jail for saying the wrong thing or, or reading the wrong thing or thinking the wrong thing. And then I was thinking about George Carlin and uh, some of the things he got in trouble with for the same thing for the, what, seven, seven. Yeah. Deadly, seven. Yeah. Seven, he yeah, seven words seven you words can't say. He's the reason. He's can. he's the reason why radio censorship exists. That seven yeah. second delay. They played this act I on mean, radio. No, it's legitimately true. They yeah, played his act yeah, on the radio. I'm, got big trouble. So, you know, and and you kind of go. It's it's amazing how far we've <clears> come to a certain degree about what you can say and what you can. But at the same time, now that we've made all that all those gains, now we're also going back. We're saying you can't say that. It ain't woke, man. But you let can't me, be, you know. But let right? me ask. But let me ask you a question. That 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 white guy doing the Chinese thing, or you know, like back in the day, what do you think that's better now? That it's like you you can't touch it. You have to be a little bit more original. Uh, you know. Yeah, I, so I I don't have any problems with sensitivity. <clears throat> sensitive about certain things, but it doesn't mean that you completely cut out making fun of maybe a stereotype or something because it can still be fun. <clears throat> Depending I mean, on how it's done, Mexican yeah. Mexican make, yeah, 
a Mexican make fun of a Mexican, a, a, a black yeah. guy can make fun of a black guy, a Jew can make fun of a Jew, you know. So there's still ways of, of doing it under the right circumstances. But yeah, I, yeah. So uh, what was the question? I, basically, what, basically, what? because you're, you're the, the your your dad's your father's generation and your generation the the right. probably at least in the 20th century the greatest cultural difference between you know uh, uh, the greatest generation huge and difference. hippies huge yes absolutely and, huge difference no doubt I, about it but don't forget the 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 greatest generation had guys like um, uh, Mel no, uh, well besides Mel Brooks I was thinking Mark of Don. Brooks. Don Don Rickles, yeah, you know, right, and you and you you start look at some of the um, uh, Dean Martin and and uh, Rowan and Martin, and uh, you start looking at all these the you know they did some stuff that was pretty pretty out there for even back then, and then one of the things I know I was reflecting on about because it's funny that you bring up this <clears throat> joke thing because I was actually thinking about it. Uh, you know, we used to make fun when I was a kid. For some reason, Polish jokes. Yep, you can't make Polak jokes anymore. <laughs> right, but you know, Polak jokes were the thing. Um, gypsy jokes were still kind of the thing. Uh, <laughs> there, you know, there was there was all these things. You know, and I look back at it now and I go, "Wow." I mean, you know, by God, I mean, Polak jokes were the. That, that was what we lived on as little, you know, as young kids. So I'm going, oh, man. And an, so. an, addition, an additional question to people out there. Do you think it's a bad thing that we can't joke about each other's ethnicities? Um, the, the greatest the greatest example for me, this is Speedy Gonzalez. I've, I've literally never met anybody of Hispanic descent who hates the character. Every Mexican I've ever met and that's quite a bit actually loves the character, can point out Slowpoke Rodriguez, which is um, Speedy's cousin say, oh, I got a cousin just like that. <laughs> Do you think it's a bad thing that we can't make fun of each other's differences and laugh at the similarities? Because that, that's something I think is you, missing. Have any, either of you guys heard of Stan Freeberg? Uh, no. So Stan I, Freeberg. You know, yeah, I've heard of him. I don't know much about him. So he was a comic back in the 50s into the 60s, and he would make these comedy, uh, comedy records. And um, I sometimes thought that Mel Brooks got his whole idea of about um, comedy from it because it was called uh, it wasn't history of the it was uh, comedy in the United States of America and it was um, a bunch of skits um, of jokes and things like you know they made a lot of fun of the, the Kennedys back then this was before JFK was uh, assassinated they made uh, Native American Indian jokes back then they made I mean they made jokes of everything they were making fun of everybody and it, it was pretty interesting because I had that album one time and I have no clue whatever happened to it. Uh, but you know, I, it I, wow, and Native American jokes. Ooh. I think that's the problem now, Rob, is that, you know, we, we always say that term of they make fun of everything. It's like when you watch Blazing Saddles. Right. They literally make fun of every everything. Yeah. person on yep. the in the world. Yep. And that was okay. Yep. The, now we can't make fun of everything. Well, the no, Dean Martin, the, the, the Dean Martin roasts are the ones I like to point at because all of them, I've never heard uh, uh, anybody really getting uncomfortable. Now I guarantee there was, 
but you never hear anybody really complaining. They're all laughing on the daises. And I, you know, I part of this and just kind of wrapping up back to the beginning of the, the conversation we had about politics in the United States. I wonder if this is part of the issue is we no longer have like a collective sense of humor. We can't laugh at each other. Um, my my aunt towards the end of her our, her life, we could joke. She would call me a neocon. I'd call her a communist. And we were politically opposed on everything on every level you can imagine. But we could laugh at each other for that. I think that's what's missing. I think the world just has less humor in it that we can poke fun at each other. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's I think it's more that, you know, there's become way too much taboo. Where, and maybe it's a swing. Maybe it's like, you know, that, that whole thing of, you know, people talking about the pendulum swinging. Yes. Where we swung so. one way for so long and now we're swinging back another way. And maybe by the time swing again. Age, it'll be back. Yeah. But right now it feels like we're on the other swing where things are becoming off limits. And I, I am curious about something. I was thinking about if somebody name a group that's super sensitive, how would you how would you address that too if there was a group? And I, I pick a group who said, Okay, I don't like that humor. How would North you North Koreans? <laughs> North Koreans, okay. It's like North Koreans don't like Kim Jong un jokes. How would you deal with that and 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 and, and be honest and still keep humor and because I I I don't get that line. Because comedy to me well, is is touches everything. In North Korea how you deal with that is you get in front of a firing squad and get shot. <laughs> um, how do we do it without that? That's the good question. How do we, how do we broach that? And, and I think it goes back to what I was kind of saying is like, it's that line that you have to find where it's just right. You can't go over that line. You kind of said it's like a razor's edge or something like that. It's a thin, it's a thin line. You can't go over you have to be on the edge without going over and that's where comedy is it's like uh, Michael Richards uh, yeah, I know you two know who he is if you guys don't know who he is he played Kramer oh yes and he got blacklisted for going over that edge and he didn't just go over the edge he just jumped right off head first um, <laughs> he committed but, career suicide yeah, he he was doing great, and then he just kind of went over, and it was, if I remember correctly, it was a heckler that helped push right. him over the edge, and that's the problem. It is you have to be a comedian, and the dirty comedians, most of the successful ones, are really good about staying on that edge and not showing that they've got a foot over it, because most of these dirty comedians have a foot over it or sitting on it. Thinking about jumping off, but they can show you that that edge without showing that they're hanging off of it most of the time. So they know how to pull it back when it needs to be pulled back, right. and how to push it when to push it. No, I, and I, that was that was George Carlin to me. That yeah. was you know yeah. all those guys, Don we Rickles. Rickles, all those guys were on that edge. Well, look at Richard Pryor. Yeah, oh, Richard yeah. Pryor for sure. Oh my God, yes. Okay, so that, I mean, he was, wow. I mean, you, you name it, he he did it, and he was hysterical. 
I, I, I mean, see no evil, hear no evil. You can't do that anymore. I did yeah. want to point out the, the Michael Richardson, the Kramer thing. He he basically went off the deep end and said the N-word, which I'm against completely. It's not funny at all. And I think that's also the thing, I, what James was saying, is you, you can't do that. There's there's no there's no redemption there's for you. There, there's yeah. a line that you just don't cross because you're right. going to fall off the edge. You know, it's interesting. I've been watching. <laughs> I like comedy and I like some of the young comedy comics that are coming up and i i i follow some on uh, facebook uh female comics i've been finding interesting lately because i watch them and i'm i i the humor that they do that they're able to do a man can't do and get away yeah. with and it, it's just interesting to watch this and and it's his, some of it's absolutely hysterical and and uh, you know you just watch them and some of the stuff they come up with and some of the cuts they make on their own gender it's just uh, just amazing and it, it's good to see that humor is still out there and it's good to see that young comics are still trying because how many comics did i've heard a number of comics that have come out and said trying to do comedy in today's day and age is almost suicide and yeah. and and i can see that i can see how that's that's really difficult and uh, uh so but yet you know everybody loves a comic if you you know and you got to laugh. You have to have the ability to laugh. So, yeah. and, and you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to end it. I got two things that I want. I do. I do have a question. I was reading head, guy, headlines, John, real quick. Two things that are comical to me, two headlines that I read. Okay. One now is anti-masturbation groups are a thing and joining, joining them may be bad for your mental health. Yeah. That's no headline one. No fact. <laughs> headline two is Gwyneth, uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow says rectal ozone therapy has been very helpful. Apparently, and also apparently with vaginal steaming. So that's my end. That's my jokes for tonight, folks. Thank you very much. Leave a tip and I'm out of here. <laughs> I, I did. I did want to end with one more thing, since Rob is technically the oldest person in the podcast ever. Um, couldn't just let me end on my jokes. No, no, I couldn't. I right, oh, OK, ahead. fine. We're going to end the jokes. No, no, no. I, I, I do have a question uh, on the end. Hopefully I remember. Um, hold on. I, I, I got pops for this, so I'm about to do it. Oop, wrong one. <laughs> so as always. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. I think maybe the, the sad trombone was probably more correct. <laughs>